morning, everyone. We always tease Reuben because it's always predictable when Reuben preaches. He'll go, good morning. Then you guys say good morning. Like, I didn't hear that. Good morning. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that. That's a Reuben thing. <laughs> I'll leave that for him. Um, but last time I preached, I preached about two weeks ago. And I did two things. First, I think I broke the record of number of verses on, in a message uh, in 45 minutes or just under that. And uh, apparently I'm going to break that record today, so uh, hold on tight. Uh, can I just say also on that point, if you guys have a notebook, if you have your phones, um, I really encourage you to take notes as we uh, get into the word this morning. Um, and it's just so important for us to not only internalize it ourselves, but when we hear the word, um, as, I, as I spoke two weeks ago, our aim is to overflow. And so you should be taking notes with the eagerness of, how, who can I tell this to this week? How can I teach this to someone else in, in the encounters that I have in my life? So I really encourage you to take notes from whatever God is speaking to you. Or if things don't make sense and you have questions, we'd love to sit with you afterwards as well. And the second thing I did is I left us kind of on a cliffhanger. I mentioned Acts 1.8 where Jesus um, promises the power of the Holy Spirit and I quickly just hinted at the gifts of the Holy Spirit and I said that we would get into that later and I'm fulfilling my promise. Here we are today. We're starting a whole new series called Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Oh, spiritual gifts. There you go. Same thing. <laughs> spiritual gifts. Very straightforward. Um, see... As pastors of the church, Ruben and I, um, Pastor Riverside Lisbon, and our job is really to shepherd the church. It's to teach and equip and care for the church and equip you to live a life that God has designed for you to live, not because we have it all together, but pointing you to the Word of God. And so when we choose message series, we don't do it just because the design looked cool or because it sounds catchy or just by random, but we prayerfully and we carefully choose a message series. We ask God, what is it that the church needs to hear right now? What do you want to speak to us? How do you want to teach us at this point in time? And so about two or three months ago, we really felt the need to teach on the Holy Spirit, and more so to teach on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you, this is a controversial, it, it is what divides many churches all over the world, so some of you are already holding on and thinking, did I come to the right church this morning? <laughs> but I promise that we're going to get into the Word, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit, most of all, um, to open up our hearts this morning. And I need the Spirit to speak this message on the Spirit, so let's pray this morning. <laughs> Dear God, thank you for the opportunity to listen to your word in a place where we are free to ask questions, we're free to pursue you, we're free to worship you. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you will open up our hearts, open up our ears to hear, that we may understand more of you, that we may worship you more in a deeper and a more profound way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right. <coughs> So, to begin with, who is the Holy Spirit? I feel that many in this room would probably struggle to describe or define the Holy Spirit, even though you may have him living in your life. And that's the beautiful thing, is that many times our, the or our experience is ahead of our theology. 
And that's how merciful God is. That many times he does things for us and in us and around us before we can even really put it into words. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. And that's how I know that he is at work in so many of your lives. Some, pe some people walk in here in Riverside Church, and we're interdenominational, international church, and they walk in here and, and, and other churches like us, and they don't see the full manifestation of the, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit on a Sunday morning, and they go, ooh, that, that church is dead, or that church, they don't have the Spirit of God. And, and the reason I know that is not true, the reason I know for a fact that that is not true, is as long as we have people in here declaring that Jesus is king, then I know that we are spiritually alive. I know that the Holy Spirit is in your life and he is at work. And so if you're a Christian in here this morning, I want to tell you that the only reason you call yourself a Christian is because the Holy Spirit is inside of you saying Jesus is king. He's inside of you shouting, Jesus is the son of God. The only reason that we were lifting our hands in praise this morning is because the Holy Spirit is inside of you going he is worthy he is holy to be praised you have to praise him because he is God and he is sovereign and so if you're a Christian the Holy Spirit is at work in your life and if you're not a Christian in here this morning then the good news is you don't have to work for him you don't have to earn him you don't have to try really hard all you have to do is accept him he is a free gift for all who believe in Jesus Christ. And he will transform your life forever. All right, so who is he? The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Bible tells us that God is three in one. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I could spend some time giving you all kinds of analogies of how water can be in different forms. And it's ice and then it's vapor and it's liquid, but it's all water. But still, it is a mystery that we will never fully understand. God is a triune God. He is three and he is one. And I'm just going to accept that by faith this morning. You see, most people can identify with God the Father. He is Yahweh. He is Jehovah. And most people can identify with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But the Holy Spirit, however, many struggle with the Holy Spirit. He remains to them this like vague, mystical, abstract idea, this force of some kind. And the problem is that you can't have relationship with the force. Daryl Aaron, he says, this is important practically because we cannot have a personal relationship with a thing, only with another person. Being a Christian means we are in a personal relationship with a triune God, three persons in one divine essence, as is true of any relationship that matters to us. We should want to nurture our relationship with God the Father, with God the Son, and with God the Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is not a thing. He's not a concept. He's a person. In the Bible, we never see the Spirit being referred to as an it. He's always referred to as him or as he with the masculine pronouns. Jesus, in John 14, 26, he says, But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he 
will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Jesus doesn't refer to the Holy Spirit as some energy or idea, but as a person. And he will teach you and he will remind you of everything I have commanded you. If we go back a couple verses in John 14, 16, Jesus says, Then I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. The Greek word used for another, it literally means another of the same kind. And so Jesus emphasizes that the Spirit will come and he will continue what Jesus had begun on earth without any loss of character, without any loss of power, without any loss of intimacy. Jesus is saying that the spirit is not lesser. He's not inferior. He is of equal divine essence as Jesus. In fact, Jesus goes a step further in the next verse and he tells the disciples, actually, you're going to be better off with the Holy Spirit than if I were to stay here on earth. He says, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I am going away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go I will send him to you. And so the Holy Spirit is a person, and we really need to drive that point here this morning. The Holy Spirit has a will. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, and we're going to get into that later, that he distributes the gifts of the Spirit as he decides. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit, he teaches the believers. He prays for us. He guides us. And so our conclusion from scripture is not that the Holy Spirit equals power, but that where the Spirit of God is, there is power. Does that make sense? To be filled with the Holy Spirit is not simply to be filled with a substance or a force, but to be fully inhabited by the person of the Holy Spirit, by the personal Spirit of God himself. John Owen, he explains how we have a special responsibility to know and experience the Holy Spirit. He talks about how the Bible from cover to cover, it portrays for us the history of redemption with three major divisions that progressively reveal to us the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now this was so deep for me. This is one of those moments where I'm studying and it's just like... Just opens up my brain. I just need to sit there for a little bit and just digest that. And I really hope you, you get this this morning as well. John Owen, he says that before Christ's coming, before Jesus comes to earth, we see the prominence of God the Father. And, and the oneness of God's nature and his monarchy over all. And the question was whether people would trust his sovereignty. Whether people would trust his kingship. And then during the days of Christ's earthly life... We see the prominence of God the Son. And the great question here was whether people who believed in the oneness of God the Father would recognize the fullness of the deity of Jesus Christ and accept him as the incarnate Son of God. And then when the Son died on the cross and he was raised up and exalted to the right hand of the Father, we see the prominence of the Holy Spirit. And so he says, so as Israel of old had a special responsibility to know and honor God the Father. And just as people in Israel had a special responsibility to know and honor Jesus as the Son of God on the days that he walked among us, so now we have a special responsibility to know and honor the Holy Spirit. 
And so to ignore the Holy Spirit, to ignore him or to reject his work is of the same nature with idolatry in the Old Testament and with the Jews' rejection of Jesus Christ as the Son of God. That's huge. The Holy Spirit, he cannot be ignored. He cannot be made secondary. You can't say, I have a relationship with God the Father and God the Son, but the Holy Spirit, that's, ugh, like I'm, I'm just going to ignore him. We worship God the Father through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the point of this message is not just to give you theological understanding, but to encourage you towards intimacy to encourage you to really know the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, to hear his voice, to know when he's prompting you, to want to know him more so that you can experience him more. All right, so what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit brings life to us. The Bible says that without God, we are dead in our sins. In Ephesians 2, 1, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. In a conversation with a guy named Nicodemus, Jesus tells him that he needs to be reborn. As in, we are spiritually dead. Without the Spirit, without God, we are, we are dead in our sins. We're spiritually dead. There's no way that we can even get near to God. And it's like he's telling Nicodemus, listen, you're in this room where the door handles are way too high for you to reach. And you can't climb anything. There's nothing you can do. The door handles are too high. And then Jesus says, okay, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, now get out. It's literally impossible. But that's what the Spirit does. He does for you what you cannot do for yourselves. He says to Nicodemus, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to to the spirit and yet all over the world you have thousands of people trying to earn righteousness trying to live out their christianity trying to earn their salvation in their own might in their own strength trying to reach for the door handles not realizing they're unattainable you'll never reach them without the spirit and we even do that in church we try to live our christianity we try to reach people we try to tell them that Jesus is Lord with our skills. And I'm an extrovert, so I can talk. I can get up here and use my public speaking skills. And, and those who are introverts say, well, I'll never be able to go up there and get a microphone. So I'm going to do it some other way with the skills that I have with my personality. And we do that in the church. We try to live our Christianity without the Spirit. It's like if I was to tell you to go to the cemetery. You have homework tonight. Go to the cemetery anyone in Lisbon, and raise up one person. Like not even, it's not even that hard. It's not the whole cemetery. It's just one person. Who would you take? What would you take? Like what preacher would you take to raise up that one person? Maybe you'd look at Dina and Ruben and Pedro and I and think, hmm, like, okay, maybe Pedro, that's the one that's going to do it. <laughs> or what music would you play? Like, would it be Bethel? Would it be Elevation? Would it be, like, more older hymns, older Hillsong, or the newer Hillsong? Would you have, the, like, the right band? Or maybe it's the lighting. If you could somehow tell the cemetery people, can you just fix the lighting in here so that I can, I can lift up this corpse? It sounds silly, but that's what we do. That's what we do in the church when we're trying to bring people to salvation without the Holy Spirit. 
when we're trying to bring people to healing, when we're trying to bring people to Jesus, when we're saying Jesus is king, but we're just using our skills and our cool personality traits, and we're not telling the Holy Spirit, I need you. I I want that person to be saved. Holy Spirit, I need you, because the lighting's not going to do it, and the preacher's not going to do it, and I can invite all the people that I know to church, and and it doesn't matter who's preaching. It doesn't matter who's playing. Holy Spirit, if it's not you. The Bible says in John 6, it is the spirit who gives life. Human effort is of no help at all. That's why Jesus tells his disciples soon after commissioning them to go and make disciples. Go and be my witnesses to all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But he says, but don't go anywhere. Like, don't leave Jerusalem until you have received the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, he's the one that convicts us of our sin. He's the one that makes us aware of how far we are from God and that there's nothing we can do to get close to God. The Holy Spirit is the one that tells us that it is by the mercy and by the grace of God that we have been saved. And then he brings new life. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by the grace of God that you have been saved. He reminds you of who you really are. He reminds you that it doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter what you've done. You are a son. You are a daughter of God. And he has plans for you. The God who created you and formed you, he has beautiful purposes for your life. You see, too often we narrow the gospel to be about the cross and forgiveness. But it is about so much more than that. It is about what the cross and forgiveness opens up to you. It opens up to you life, true life, eternal life, abundant life. See, I told this story to um, the, the volunteers of the church. We had a volunteer day, and I, and I briefly mentioned it, the story was just beginning at that time. There was a lady that came past, walked past our road, not a Christian, Portuguese lady, nothing to do with international circles or anything. And she walked by and she noticed Lisbon Project and then she noticed Riverside Church. And something in her just told her to look up the church. And this was during the pandemic and she started watching our live videos. Now our live videos was nothing techy, nothing fancy. We were at home with our phone and then the phone would fall and the whole live would fall. And we'd be like, oh, we're back up. And JD would be singing in the background and you'd hear her crying now and then. And we'd be like giving the phone. Okay, Pedro, now you hold the phone. Now I'm going to talk. Now you hold the phone. This was the kind of quality of our live videos during the pandemic. And this woman, she just starts watching and she starts hearing. And then few months pass, she's still watching, she's still hearing. And then last month, Eva came. We invited Eva to come and preach, and we said she's a pastor of a Portuguese church called Vida Lisboa. And that week, this woman who's Portuguese just felt, I need to go to that church. I need to go there. And so she goes there on the Sunday morning. She arrives an hour before the service. And next thing, the Holy Spirit starts working in her life. And she starts crying and understanding she's a sinner. And she just says, I just, I just want Jesus. I've been listening about him and I just want him. I, I declare he is king over my life. And the Holy Spirit starts to do a work in her. And this week she wrote to Eva and I'm free to share. But she wrote to Eva and she says, it's been a month 
since I gave my life to Christ. And the Holy Spirit has done more in my heart than all of my life. And the only sad thing is that I wish I could have known him before. And she says she, he's shown me more. He's revealed more things about me than any therapist could, than any psychologist. She's a psychologist. <laughs> and she says the Holy Spirit has done more in me than any man could have ever done. The Holy Spirit is alive and he's active and he brings life to sinners who were dead in their transgressions. He brings new life and he lives in us. He indwells us. Now this is huge. How can a God who is perfect, who is amazing, who is without fault, without blemish, he is holy, he's creator of the universe, how can he live inside of me? How can he live inside of us who are limited and weak and frail and jealous and bitter and resentful and so much more? How is this possible? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 11, But you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Now this idea of cleansing, this is something very Jewish that we don't really think about. Especially if you grow, if you grew up not in Israel, if you don't have a Jewish background, then this idea of cleansing is something we don't, we just ignore most of the time. But in the Old Testament, if someone was unclean because they had broken the law of God, they were no longer able to go to the temple. And they were no longer able to worship God. And so they'd have to offer a sacrifice as an atonement for their sin. There has to be a consequence to their sin. So they would offer an, a sacrifice as atonement. And then they would perform all kinds of washing rituals in order to be made clean again. And the whole point of being made clean again was so that they could run back to the temple and they could relate and worship God again. And now in Corinthians, we understand that God has cleansed us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. And because of his forgiveness of our sins, we have been cleansed. And now we don't need to go anywhere, but God himself, the Holy Spirit, he comes and we become the temple of the Holy Spirit and he lives inside of us. And so God doesn't live inside of me because I'm perfect or because I've been coming to church for a number of years. He lives inside of me because I've been washed by the forgiveness of sins that Jesus paid for me. This is just, it's a beautiful thing. And lastly, because we don't have a lot of time, the Holy Spirit empowers us for ministry. He's a gift into our lives. He's a free gift into our lives. But he's also a giver of gifts. Without his gifts, trying to build the kingdom of God is like trying to build a house with no tools. Have a go at that, and good luck. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We need him to empower us, to equip us, to give us all that we are not, to give us all that we don't have. And so it's taken a whole message to get here. What are the gifts? And still, I'm not going to dwell on this too much because we're going to spend the next three weeks talking about this. But what are the gifts? I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. I'm going to skip a few verses here for the sake of time. 
All right, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and whole only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. All right, that's one scripture where we find the gifts, a list of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We also find a list in Ephesians 4, 7 through 13. Also found in, find in Romans chapter 12. And these are not exhaustive lists. This is not a list. I mean, God is all powerful. He does what he wants, how he wants, when he wants, why he wants. And so we can't take these, this list of gifts and say, this is it. But we are going to study these gifts for the next three weeks. And for the sake of our study, we're going to use this way of categorizing the gifts of the Holy Spirit in three groups. In the next three weeks, we're going to talk about the revelatory gifts. In, order, in other words, gifts that reveal something. The vocal gifts, gifts that say something. And the power gifts, gifts that do something. So in the revelatory gifts, we'll have Dina come and preach next week and, and teach us on these gifts. And then we'll have Reuben speaking about the vocal gifts. And then you'll have me back speaking about the power gifts. So more importantly than what are the gifts this morning, what are the gifts for? To build up the body of Christ. It says in Ephesians 4, 12 through 13, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What are the gifts for? To build up the body of Christ. In Romans, Paul is writing to the church. He's literally just writing a letter to people that he loves and people that, that he's walked with. And he writes to them, he says, For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want you to encourage me in mine. I long to see you that I may use my gifts to strengthen you. And so what we learn from this verse is that spiritual gifts are for strengthening others. We receive gifts from the Holy Spirit not to keep them from our, for ourselves, but to give them to others, to bless others, to strengthen the faith of others, to help draw others closer to Jesus Christ. In this letter to the church in Rome, Paul wants to encourage their faith somehow. And he knows that his brothers and sisters also who have the Holy Spirit living inside of them, that, that he, they will receive gifts as well to strengthen his faith. And so often as Christians, we spend our time trying to identify which spiritual gift is my gift. And trying to label, well, I'm a prophet. No, I'm a healer. No, I'm a teacher. No, I'm an evangelist. When the question should be, God, today, who needs you? How can you use me? What is the gift that I need to bless that brother? What is the gift that I need from you to bless that sister, to strengthen that sister? Gifts are not possessive. They're not something for you to hold on to. They're not yours. They're of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you and you're just a vessel. 
It's like the Holy Spirit is inside of you saying, I just need to just open up your mouth right now because I need to evangelize to that person over there. Hey, just reach out your hand right now. That's all I'm asking you to do. Just reach out your hand right now and touch that brother so that I can heal him through the power of Jesus Christ. Gifts are for strengthening others. They are gifts of the Holy Spirit. We are just a vessel. Then in 1 Peter we read, God has given each of you a gift from his variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. In this passage we understand that spiritual gifts are meant to serve others and in everything to glorify God. They're meant to exalt him. So when we are given gifts, the Bible says that we shouldn't boast about them. We shouldn't be, become arrogant about them. It's not just a cool personality trait that you have. The Holy Spirit is equipping you to be a blessing to the lives of others. And to be honest with you, one of the things that makes me most uncomfortable is, is after a, a message on a Sunday morning when somebody comes up to me and says, what a great message. I don't even know what to say to that. Like, it's good to hear. It's good to hear your feedback, to hear that you heard it, that you internalized it, that you received it. Don't get me wrong. I want to be encouraged that I did something right. But at the end of the day, I know it wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit. If it touched you, if it spoke to you, then it was the Holy Spirit. So... Don't, don't judge me if I look uncomfortable or if I just look awkward when you say something after the message. <laughs> but all glory to God because he's the one who empowers and equips. So as a conclusion this morning, I want to encourage you to first and foremost to eagerly desire the Holy Spirit himself. To deepen your relationship with him. He's not a force. He's not an idea. He's not some abstract, mystical energy. He's a person, and I want to encourage you to know him, to eagerly desire more of him, to experience him, to deepen your intimacy with him. And secondly, I want to encourage you to eagerly desire his gifts. And that's not just something I am encouraging you, but it's a biblical command. Paul lists out the gifts in 1 Corinthians, and then he says twice, in a, in a very small space, he says twice that we should earnestly desire the gifts. And if you were thinking, all right, I'll desire the ones that make sense to me. Or like, I'll desire the easier, simple ones. Then Paul is way ahead of you. He goes, actually, like he lists all the gifts that you would eagerly desire them. And especially prophecy, like the most controversial one. He says, especially prophecy so we as believers we should desire all the gifts of the spirit again because it's not what fits with our personality it's not what fits with what makes us comfortable it's what what the kingdom of god needs it's what people that are lost need to hear you know something that i loved about our retreat last week feels like ages ago last week <laughs> was that i played this game and i said okay if you're an introvert get together and if you're an extrovert get together and literally it was me and one other girl on the extrovert part <laughs> side and everybody else was on the introvert side. And yet all these introverts are the ones who lead worship, are the ones who are up here on the, wor on, on, on the band, are the ones who are up there on the welcome team where they have to talk to people and make conversation with people, are the ones who are serving. And I love that because it's not about 
you. It's not about your personality. It's about saying, here I am. Holy Spirit, use me. Use me. See, so often we ask God, God, I just, I, I want to live a life for you. I, I want you to guide me. I want to walk on waters with you. And Jesus is like, okay, well, you got to step out of the boat. Like, just take the step, sign up, volunteer, go and talk to somebody, go and pray for someone, and I will do the work. But you have to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. It says in chapter 14, 1, and I, I promise I'm coming to a close here. Mm-hmm. It says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Notice how Paul says, pursue love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts in the same sentence. And so what we understand by that is that you can't do one without the other. You cannot pursue love and not desire the gifts of the Spirit. And you cannot have gifts and not have love. 1 Corinthians 13 says that if you, if you can speak in all the tongues of the world and sound really spiritual, but if you don't have love, then you'll just be noise. Like switch that off. Turn that person's volume down. <laughs> And if you have faith that you can move mountains and you have knowledge that you can prophesy about mysterious things, but you don't have love, then the Bible says you're nothing. Like, just stop. In Portuguese, we say menos. Like, just less. Stop. (laughs) But it's also true that if we neglect any particular spiritual gift, if we don't earnestly desire them, if we don't earnestly pursue even the ones we don't fully understand, even the healing, even the tongues, even the prophecy, if we don't earnestly desire them, then we will neglect some aspect of love and so fail to glorify Christ. Some kind of edification will not happen. We need the Spirit's empowerment to strengthen us so that we may pursue love. We may love God with all that we are, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, with all of our soul, and that we may love one another as ourselves. We need spiritual gifts to truly do that in a way that will bring transformation to people's lives and bring them from the dead. Pursue love and earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit. I'm going to invite the band to come up. Now you really know I'm finishing. What is eagerly and earnestly desire the gifts of the spirit look like you can leave here this morning and go okay now i i i something spoke to me i'm supposed to earnestly desire the gifts and i'll go well how do i do that what does that look like like should i be fasting should i be like praying that every day what should i do what do you do when you really want something we we are hiring right now at the lisbon project and we're hiring for a managerial role And there's this one girl, like, she wants the job. She applied right when we put the post up. She wrote a really beautiful cover letter. Her CV looks amazing. She wrote to me personally on LinkedIn saying, hey, by the way, I applied, and I really would love the job. And then she came to the interview with our HR and with with what could be her supervisor. And then she made herself available. I am ready to start immediately whenever you want. And then we called her in for this week so that she can meet me and I can have an interview with her. And she said, yes, straight away. I'll change my schedule. I'll be there. That means eagerly desiring something. Like this girl, she wants the job. That's what you got to do for the gifts of the Spirit. I want the job. Holy Spirit, I want the job. Whatever the job is. 
If the job is to clean the bathrooms, I want that job if it's going to bring transformation. If the job is to pray over someone, if the job is that you would be used for healing, if the job is that, Holy Spirit, give me a word of prophecy for this person's life. Give me a word of knowledge for this person's life, not so that they think I'm super cool, but so that they go, whoa, God must be in this because you couldn't have known that. That was God and that that may glorify God and bring them a little closer to their Savior. So when we leave here this morning, may we eagerly desire the Holy Spirit himself so that we can sense when he's talking to us, so that we can know his voice, but eagerly desire his gifts so that you may be used. Come to the next Sundays. I really encourage you to come. And if you don't come here, then listen on Spotify or watch us live. And let's study really what are these gifts because you can go way off with these especially when humanity gets in the way we're going to study the biblical understanding of what are the gifts of the spirit and i encourage you to study to eagerly want to know more but right now as we close i invite you to stand and i just want to encourage you to make yourself open if you are a Christian, then the Holy Spirit is already living inside of you. He's the whole reason you are a Christian. Now I just want to encourage you. I want to know you more. Use me, Holy Spirit. Teach me, guide me. And empower me for ministry that I may be a blessing. Amen.